Welcome to my podcast, Today's Dream, Tomorrow's Reality. My name is Vicki Poole. I'm a master transformational coach specializing in habit change. And this podcast is sponsored by The Enlightened Peach. And it's all about embracing our mosaic life. And some of you may ask, what is a mosaic life? Well, it is recognizing that all the pieces of our life, the good, the bad, the indifferent, have all come together to make us who we are. Change any one thing and we are different. With that in mind, I invite you to embrace your perceived imperfections and celebrate who you are. This podcast is unedited and raw, just like life. And I am your host, and I have a special guest with me today, and I'll introduce him in just a moment. But if you have any ahas or questions or appreciations, please leave a comment or a voice message. And remember to do the thing like, subscribe, and share. So now let's get started. So this handsome gentleman right here is CK Redlinger. And I have to admit, I have known him um, for years because my best friend is his sister-in-law. And just so happens he has um, he has an amazing story of his life. And he also has been writing books. And I, I really wanted to get him on here and just share a little bit about his story, his books. And um, I just I just I just love, especially when somebody's writing things. And um, so I'll let him tell you a little bit about himself. And um, so take it away. Well, thank you. Honored to be here. Uh, great to interact with you in a different environment. This yeah. is uh, really great. Congratulations <laughs> on the success. Um, I've watched some of your programs and oh, uh, cool. found them Thank riveting you. and very interesting folks that you have on. Um, I well, you know a lot about me, but I guess uh, um, uh, you know it kind of starts with my parents. Uh, they were both uh, United States Marines, and so I kind of grew up in what I call the land of giants. Um, I had a lot of uncles, and of course, my parents, uh, grandfather, all charting back to World War II. Who, uh, who served either in the Army, Navy, uh, Marine Corps, and so on. And uh, so I grew up around this, and uh, it was a great environment to grow up around. And so uh, I wanted to be a Marine like my mom and dad, and so um, I got out of high school. I grew up in Georgia and uh, in Atlanta, Clayton County there, and went into the Marine Corps and um, chased that dream because that was a dream of mine. And uh, after several years, I got out and I went back to Atlanta to chase the second dream, which was uh, become a cop like my brother, uh, the husband of the friend that we just mentioned. Yes. And so um, I became a police officer and um, I stayed there for 10, 10 years and I worked uh, patrol in Southeast Atlanta. Uh, so did you and Jack work at the same precinct? I don't remember that. No, so Jack okay. worked for City of Atlanta. I worked for DeKalb County Police Department, which um, if you're familiar with, if your audience is familiar with Atlanta, it's divided up into two counties, strangely enough, Fulton County and DeKalb County. Uh, so DeKalb is probably, um, it's probably the second or third largest law enforcement agency in the state. So it's a big department, a lot going on. Uh, we were policing at the same time. Um, so we would run into each other uh, occasionally. But uh, I, I worked as a patrol officer in uh, Southeast Atlanta, Decatur, what we call South Precinct. And then uh, after a few years, I got fortunate enough to qualify for detectives, took the test, and uh, 
<clears throat> worked hard so that I could go straight into robbery homicide. Uh, and I, I was able to do that. So I was in robbery homicide for about four years as a detective. And then um, made sergeant, went back to the street like police officers always have to do. You got to go back when you get promoted, show that you can manage and, and lead line officers. And then uh, uh, made detective sergeant, went back, uh, got into vice, uh, eventually ended up in SWAT. And then um, I saw an opportunity after September 11th to go overseas uh, working in Iraq as a um, as part of a uh, as private contracting firm. And so in 2004, I headed over to Iraq and uh, went into Baghdad. I spent a lot of time down in the south part of Iraq, down in uh, Basra, Alamara, and um, working for uh, this company. And then they sent me over to Jordan, uh, the country of Jordan, as a country manager. And so I landed there and I spent the next uh, 11 years of my life living in Jordan. And uh, while I was there, I changed jobs a few times and I ended up going to work for uh, King Abdullah. Um, he had a new special operations training center that was being built by the United States, this kind of center of excellence. And I was really fortunate enough to go to work there with um, the first cadre <clears throat> of instructors. And then um, after that, I got hired by the State Department as a program manager for what they call anti-terrorism assistance. It's a foreign partner. Still in program. Jordan? Still in Jordan. Okay. By that time, I'd, you know, I'd uh, been there so long, you kind of become a go-to guy for things. Uh, mm -hmm. like, oh, that Redlinger guy has been here for a while, maybe throw it at him. And so um, I, I went to work for the, uh, the embassy and, and this program, and I did that for about three years. Um, some spaces in between there, I got into the movie industry because they were filming a lot of war films in Jordan. And Ooh, uh, I didn't Dark know that. Ooh, tell us more yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah, um, Zero Dark Thirty, if you remember uh, that yeah. movie, was being filmed in Jordan, and it was actually they actually came to the training center wanting to train the actors. So, um, um, I was the liaison, and I I helped situate that, and then uh, I got introduced to the the film commission, uh, the Jordan film commission in the process. And it was another one of those go-to things. So they kept coming back to me and then, uh, Hey, can you train actors to be like soldiers or can you, um, help us choreograph battle scenes for a movie? Uh, and then it turned into some stunt performances and then, uh, oh, wow. hey, can you play this part? <laughs> uh, <can> you... <laughs> it was really talking strange... about right place, right time. Right. Oh yeah. Very bizarre, uh, <laughs> kind of pathway yeah but, um, so I stayed in touch with all of that eventually I came back to the United States um and was out in California for a while now and didn't you get married while you were out there or no you waited until you got back I, I did um my, okay. I met my wife in Jordan and um we have uh some beautiful children and now we're we're settled here in Texas um working in the in the corporate world and writing some books on the side and so that's that's the long way around the block. And I probably <laughs> left some things out for time's sake. That's but. all right. We, we might uh, go back around to them at some point if we if we feel we need to. But the thing that I'm really super excited, and I've had um, some interviews with some um, authors, and I actually have a friend who is an author, but she's a romance author. So it's a totally different animal. Um, mm -hmm. But so I, it fascinates me because I have always wanted to write a book and I have probably four or five notebooks with started books 
And then mm-hmm. it's like something that I, I, I start it, I get into it, get distracted, and then I forget about it. And then I start another one. And so it has to take a certain amount of discipline once you get into this is what I'm going to do to create that. Is that your experience? Yeah, it is. Um, it's an easy thing to procrastinate with. Yeah, uh, it is for me. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I... Um, I wanted to, I wanted to, I didn't want to write books all my life, but I did want to start writing. I, I did, this started about eight years ago. And um, maybe it was because I got, I reached a point in my life where I thought I've really chalked up some cool experiences and thought, um, you know, I could really weave some interesting characters together and some storylines. And plus I was doing the movie stuff and I was, the whole point of being a technical advisor on a movie is, is to um, uh, help ensure there's authenticity of uh you know the subject matter if mm-hmm. it's military or a, a battle or are the medals being worn properly uh does the person have a straight trigger finger or when they should and uh you know the, these things that pr- people like me and i'm sure people in your audience kind of pick out on TV yeah shows that's movies. not real i've done Regardless, that before with other stuff yeah, yeah and it uh, and honestly it ruins a, it ruins it the movie does. For me when yeah. the first five minutes i see this hero uh uh, doing something, I'm like, what? And then, you know, it's finished. so <laughs> writing books um, became an interest to me. And uh, for so, were you years, well before you get to that? Yeah. When you were um, in school and everything, oh, were <laughs> were you a writer then? Did you have any? Um, you know, because there are some people yeah. who say they had this ability to write, and then some people it was mm-hmm. just suddenly they started writing. So I think there were some clues. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Um, okay. I don't think that my teachers would uh, uh, stand before you and say, "Oh yeah, we saw this all along." Uh, <laughs> we knew he was going to be a genius. No, <laughs> uh, hardly. Uh, I think, however, there, um, I, I. There was some, I don't know, I've always been a creative person in a sense. I like creating things sometimes, whether it's, you know, when I was younger, it was t-shirts or logos or whatever. Uh, And uh, then it eventually evolved into stories, I guess. But I think the writing part got a little fine-tuned with, um, strangely enough, in the Marine Corps, because you do have to write some reports every now and then. You have to write in log books and all of this. And um, they make you write in a very structured way. And then when I became a police officer, it was a ton of writing because you're always writing police reports. And then when I became a detective, um, especially working in, in homicide, a lot of case notes and um, a lot of court supplementals. And to the point to where everything has to be really detail oriented because you're dealing uh, in many cases with life and death. And then um, um, the going to court and having to testify. And so I think all of that kind of helped sculpt it to a certain degree. And then, um, then one day it just kind of clicked, but going back to the procrastination part, um, I, I'm usually not a procrastinator, but with this, I was like, okay, I got to become a better typer first because <laughs> I, you know, I'm a search and destroy type of typer. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so that was like, okay, yeah, that'll, that'll, to go out and do that and learn how to do that better. Um, I was always taking notes. That's a good thing. Uh, oh, let me watch another master class or something. And so there was a lot of this going Been on. Been there, done that with yeah, a yeah. lot of stuff, right? And then 
one year ago, a little more than a year ago, um, I finally put my foot down. I don't know what finally happened, but, uh, and now I'm on a third book in one year. Uh, nice. So I, it's proven to me that, okay, it's great to prepare, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can also just like overanalyze things, you can over prepare. And so it's important to just kind of double check yourself. But uh, if that story doesn't encourage you to write, I don't know what it is because, you know, I was not a great student. Uh, I, I certainly wasn't like a, a literature major or anything like that. But I think it's just about having some some stories, some experiences that you can um, take, weave into uh, something interesting. And, and then there you go. You're off to the races. Okay. Well, that gives me a lot of ideas um, for myself too, because um, it's like I have a plethora of experiences in my life that some of them are not things you really want to talk about, but I've got plenty of them. Um, So maybe um, it would be cool to create a, a fictional book like what you've done and then weave some of these stories in there to help tell another story that maybe these pieces are in so is that kind of how you did yours i know when i talked to you earlier you said that certain things about the book are actually places in your life or things that have happened in your life so is that kind of how you did that it i think it would you know i i've always heard the 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 saying um you know write what you know write what Mm -hmm. you're familiar with um because um That'll probably be very natural to you, of course, and it will it will flow. Um, of course, um, you're not always going to have things that you know about. You got to do some research, and uh, and it's really that's another thing. It's really easy to over research. It's very easy to get lost in that part of the process, saying, "Oh, well, I need to do some more research." Yeah, enough research. Just start writing. Yeah, yeah. I was Just, in a class right before we got on here, and one of the things that she said in this class was she said. Stop procrastinating, be messy, just do it, you know? And so I think that's a motto that a lot of people that are on the creative spectrum have to really develop in themselves because I'm like that. I will, I will study and take another class and another master class, and I, and I will end up getting so bombarded with all of these classes and everything that I don't have time to do the things I really want to do. Right. And that's what it sounds like. That's exactly what you're experiencing. And um, I'm glad you said that about being messy, because that's exactly what I do now. I just that's like the the first uh, phase is just write. Don't even worry about writing in sequence. Just write and write and write and get your ideas on paper. Um, Don't worry about spelling. Don't worry about grammar. uh, Do you write or type it? Uh, well, I, I mean, when I say write, I mean type. Now, if you want to go write, that's great, but I'm typing. <laughs> okay, I'm typing. okay. <laughs> uh, old, old school terminology, I guess. So just get it down. It's probably right? the and, same thing. It's just all of a sudden I could visualize you with a pen yeah, and a paper. And yeah. I thought, wait a minute, maybe that's not accurate. <laughs> and, and that's another thing is I, uh, before I write, I spend a lot of time, uh, and we can talk about more of this later because it's been such a great tool in my life, mental rehearsals and i i mentally rehearse uh the ideas in my head so i let it i literally create a movie in my head and i play it out and i tweak it in my head and then and then i go and write it 
real quick and then just keep writing and get it down. Then once you you have something all down written on your on your computer, then you go back and you start to analyze it and say, you know what, that that's a good chapter. Let's put that in front of this chapter. Let's move these around, almost like puzzle pieces. And now you're putting it into a sequence that you want, because maybe you have two plots going on and you got to hop back and forth and you don't want to like just have all of one plot and then, you know, the next, you want to kind of yeah. weave them together. Yeah. And then uh, after you do that, then you can go in and be your editor. You know, you can be the editor and do all of that, the the, the spelling and the grammar and the sentence structure and so on. Uh, and the next, you know, you got some. Yeah. And you sculpt it a little bit more and you know, then you, then you go off if you want to, maybe that was the only thing you wanted to do. You just wanted to go through the process and write something and feel that accomplishment. Or maybe you want to go out and try to publish it for others to read. And then, you know, then you got to put your business cap on and, and you know, that's a whole, whole different kind of avenue. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like with my coaching business, it's like, um, there's so many different little caps that you wear through the process that um, it can be very mind boggling. Sometimes all the things you have to keep track of and, and develop and do. Um, so yes, back to the writing, you were talking about doing the, um, the visualization um, mm -hmm. and that's something that I tell my clients to do, but it's more of um, looking at their life and creating a picture of their life where they want it to be and the playing it all out. And I never really thought about it as far as writing a book, as being able to to play the the your stuff in your mind and then write that out. It never occurred to me that it would work the same kind of way, but I can see that 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 does. Oh, that Men mentally rehearsing is probably the most advantageous tool that I have ever discovered. And mm -hmm. it's a really crazy story of how I discovered it. Um, and it would it probably feel, it probably would sound very unorthodox. Um, but before I tell hey, you that, tell us, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> before I tell you that story, I will say that, um, you know, the, the, the mental rehearsing aspect and it and uh i'll use another famous author uh who does it in a different way um uh dan brown okay. um, he he actually would take a book any book you know a book on your bookshelf back there mm -hmm. he would print out his cover and you know he would wrap it on the book and he'd set it up on the bookshelf where he could see it every day and so his subconscious at that point is seeing that book up there every day and it is um the, the the programming in the subconscious is essentially getting to the point through repetition of seeing it every day that it starts to believe that that already happened now that mm -hmm. sounds crazy to you and me and our conscious brains but right. subconsciously over time it starts to believe that that's already happened and when it believes it's already happened then it starts to do its work behind the curtain since it's about 90% of your brain capacity anyway. And that small part up there, the conscience, the conscious brain. And so it starts, you know, shifting gears and doing things and, you know, that you really don't even know, kind of putting the, 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 you're shaping the terrain, I guess. Mm -hmm. is a good word. And, um, and so that's, that's one method that he uses. I think he even, even wrote like a New York Times bestseller like article and would put his name in it 
And so he'd read it and it's not an ego thing. It's just, he knows the process of programming the subconscious. And so um, I would use that same technique. Um, I learned it in the Marine, in the Marine Corps. Um, I was in a unit that um, was a tactical unit and, and, and was um, uh, responsible for um, what they call close quarters battle. So it's very close in shooting inside of like a, a house or building. And, and with that, um, the, the shots have to be very surgical on target. You can't have any misses, flyers, things like that. And so it's a very high pressure, uh, stressful environment, especially with flashbangs going off and all of this. And so when I went through the school uh, as a young Marine, they taught us about mental rehearsals. And so you imagine, you know, these Marines, these young Marines, almost really kind of a, a meditation type of thing where, you know, you're sitting there in the quiet and you're thinking through every aspect of, of that task. Okay. The door gets breached. I smell, uh, I smell the, 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 the particular type of explosives. I smell it in my nostrils. I smell the gunpowder. I imagine myself you know, stepping through a splintered door uh, maybe I even get cut on the door. Um, I imagine when I'm first going to see the fog, the smoke, the fog of war. And so what that helps uh, you or what helps your subconscious do is it, it's in a way it's stress inoculating you mm -hmm. if you do it frequently. And um, while you can work in some adversity, the end goal of what you're trying to do is you you envision kind of like a movie of you succeeding, whatever the end result is, you clear that room, you rescue a hostage, whatever the end result is you're stimulating as vividly as you can, all of your senses through your mind uh, to achieve what you want. So then you just apply that same formula to anything else. And uh, I, I'll say this after I learned that I thought back when I was a kid and I wanted to be three things. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a Marine. I wanted to be a cop. And I also wanted to be in the movies, but I, you know, I, I wanted to be a ninja too, but you know, that's another <laughs> thing, but I daydreamed about that stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm convinced now that all that daydreaming, even about the movie part, right. Yeah. Um, that my subconscious was always playing that in, 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 in the programming and said, okay, we'll shape the terrain. You move forward and we'll shape the train and make these things happen. And it's uh, like the movie thing. I, I didn't plan to be in the movie industry. It just happened. But I think subconsciously I was kind of being, you know, okay, a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. Okay. Just keep going straight. And so I think that's the way it works with a lot of us. Um, yeah. But they don't well, teach that in school. So. I know. And it's funny because, um, you know, there's a lot of people who say, well, I can't manifest anything. But if they were to sit down and really think about how many times they rehearsed the bad thing in their mind that mm -hmm. they were afraid was going to happen, you know, they did create they were manifesting all the bad stuff because they were just not doing it on on purpose. And so it's really cool when you can get to a place where you can create these things in your mind and actually um, see them um, come to fruition. Like I said, you know, I use this with my clients. And so we'll, I'll even help them, you know, we'll do a, a mental rehearsal where we'll um, 
look at their life, you know, a year from now or five years from now, and we go into great detail to figure out exactly who they would be at that moment and what their life would look like and how it would feel. And then I help them to kind of step into that so that they can feel like that is definitely what's going to happen. Um, and when you were talking about um, the um, the author putting the the book up on the on the shelf, I actually um, had a friend of mine that's an author. And one of the things that she did was she did a similar thing. She took and created her book um, um, cover on another book and she went into like Barnes and Noble and she put it up on the shelf and then she kind of walked away and came back and, you know, recognized that it was there, took it off the shelf. And she did all these things. Um, and she said she even thought about getting a table and setting it up and like she was going to sign books and see if anybody chased her out. I don't really know if she did that or not, but she was going to do that. That's I mean, it's wonderful that she recognizes that her brain works like that. Yeah. And yeah. is actually doing something. And, and like I said before, it's it's very unorthodox uh, sounding, whether it's, you know, uh, tactical type stuff in the Marine Corps or it's writing books. Um, it's <clears throat> it's really a powerful tool. Um, but it, for me, in my opinion, it only works if it is uh, done religiously or, or frequently or, you mm -hmm. know, for me, everything is about um, gradual gains and repetition right. and you know i tell people all the time um you know procrastinating uh you know just do a little bit just do a little bit and do look make sure you do a little bit tomorrow and a little bit the next day and you keep that coming up or keep that going because it's going to compound you know it's like investing mm -hmm. and um and you, it's just the practice it's just the practice of doing it repetitively and doing something all the time Right. And it's just like with writing, if you do that, you write a paragraph every day. Next thing you know, it, you're writing a chapter every day. And then next thing you know, it, after a few months, you've written a whole book. Yeah. And so I think it's 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 a it's a um, it's a formula for life, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, because it's and it's interesting because when we're, as we're talking about these the books and everything, it it's given me kind of lighting a little bit of fire underneath me to, um, and actually maybe start a new book with something maybe like what you were talking about is just writing some of the stories that I have and then going and figuring out how they connect together or what kind of story they would tell and. Um, because I think what was holding me back a lot of times was I really felt like um, I needed to know how the it started and know how it ended and just fill it all in. Um, and from what you're saying, and then this other friend that's the the author, one of the things she kept telling me was, you know, just let it write itself. If you'll get in front of it and start writing, it just kind of almost you, your characters come to life in your mind and you can you can create so of course at the time she was saying that i was thinking that's because you're a writer <laughs> mm, I, I i i would agree and i i think at the end of the day it really comes down to that subconscious mind again because mm -hmm. if you are we just don't we don't know what our what is going on in our subconscious but right. if we're putting good stuff into it it's gonna it's gonna take it and make the magic happen 
If, right. like you said earlier, if you're thinking bad stuff or you're reflecting on past uh, incidents all the time, then all you're doing is, is burning all that into your brain. And so your subconscious is like, I guess this is what you want to think about all the time. So I'll make sure it happens because it, you know, it'll be programmed now. Yeah. And um, so with, with writing or, or anything else uh, positive that you want to do in your life, um, I think it is a matter of just keep doing a little bit of it, keep putting it in there. And eventually your subconscious will take hold and the things will start flowing out on the paper, the proverbial paper, the computer screen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know what you mean. <laughs> it, it, and you hear people say things like, well, it writes itself or whatever. Well, actually it's, it's your brain that's writing. It's just not the conscious part of right, your brain. Right. Conscious well, part is helping. Yeah. But, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm also a hypnotherapist. I do um, know. Very impressive. Yeah, thank you. And so one of the things that when I'm talking to my clients and all is that, you know, um, like I just had a discussion just the other day and because a client was telling me how she kept saying that she was going to get in her 10,000 steps, but then she wouldn't do it. And she was saying she was going to do all these things. And so I told her, I said, you know, what you're doing is you're training your brain that no matter what you say, you're not going to do it. So I said, create smaller goals that you can stick to. And I said, if you say you're going to go for a walk and you get up and you feel tired, put your damn shoes on and walk out the door. It doesn't matter how far you go. It's then you come back. And if you'll do that often enough, that 1% change every day, then, you know, it'll get to where when you say, I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to, I'm going to walk that your subconscious mind will start Wait, when the alarm goes off, your subconscious mind will start saying, you said you were going to get up. You said you were going to get up. Let's get up. Let's get up. Get up. And so it will actually start pushing you and helping you to make those choices to fulfill what you said you were going to do if you mm -hmm. have been keeping your word to yourself. But otherwise, it'll go the opposite direction and say, oh, no, you stay in the bed. It's nice and comfy here because... She never goes anyway. So it's like you can exercise that muscle. And one of my favorite books, which it's a self-help book, not a novel, but it's by Jeff Olson. It's called The Slight Edge. And I don't know if you've ever read it, but it is all about the compound effect and the 1% change every day makes exponential changes in your life, even though you can't see it today, you can't see it next week or the next, but over time it becomes this big epiphany in your life. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's kind of like um, limit limiting belief, you know, I, so if you have, that's the big problem, I think a lot of people struggle with is, is, you know, they're, they get in their own way, and they, they latch on to this kind of limiting belief, and that becomes kind of the program. And, um, and then when they try to do something different, uh, or make a change, um, the subconscious brain's like, uh-uh, no, you know, I got the program. You're the one that wrote the program. I'm just <laughs> following it. So that's yeah. why it's so hard for people to to make changes after New Year's and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. So I find I find it uh, advantageous to create limiting belief challenges, ones that you just like you know you're talking about, but create something that you don't want to do, but it's easy for you to break it. You know, like. Right. I don't want to take a colder shower today. I, who wants to take a colder shower today? But uh, that's an easy, there's control there. There's control mm -hmm. mechanisms. So you do it 
you know, you, 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 you breach the, you know, the, the limiting belief. And even though that seems, may sound silly, that is still that gradual piece that goes into the subconscious and it gets seated. And now you do something else. Uh, maybe when you wake up, you want to, you know, you want to try to work out more, but you just can't make it happen. Well, you know, wake up and before you even walk out of your bedroom, plop down the floor, do five push-ups. You know, if you can't do five, do two. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just keep doing it until your brain starts to latch onto these things. And, you know, one of the things I that really helped me, uh, I, I wasn't an audacious kid. You know, I'm probably just like any other kid, you know, you, you self-confidence issues and so on. Uh, but I know I wanted to do some audacious things. And so in order to, I knew I was like, I got to make some changes. I, I got to get more bold. And so I realized one way to do that was, is, uh, um, and I'll give you an example, um, like at an obstacle course, for example, you know, mm-hmm. if you got a platoon of 40 Marines, whether you're in boot camp or whatever, and you're about to, you know, run an obstacle course, I would always throw up my hand to when they say, okay, who's going first? And it's not that I was going to be the best by any stretch of the imagination, but I was doing it to kind of step into the gap and make myself be bold because that is a scary thing to go first. Whether you're the first one on an obstacle course, the first one to give a briefing, the first one to do anything in front of a group of people is very scary. Uh, But if you force yourself to throw up your hand, knowing that you're probably going to fail or make you maybe you embarrass yourself or whatever. But after the first few times, it takes hold and you start to continue to do it. And then there's a lot of really crazy things that happen as a result. One, you get better, you get more bold, you're, you have an audacious spirit, you're more decisive, um, you make better decisions in other aspects of your life. And those people that are watching you, um, even though there might have been somebody faster on the obstacle course run, the leaders in that group start to think to themselves, even in their subconscious, like those are the kind of character traits of a, of a leader. And they mm-hmm. remember that. And then people want to maybe lift you up, you know, into a, a certain role or something. So um, I think that's a good tangible way to implement, you know, the, the theory that you were just talking about, at least it, it worked for me. Mm-hmm. And even at my age now, I still, try to do it. Even when I feel I'm, I try to put myself into those uncomfortable situations just to make sure that that part stays sharp. Um, but it, it definitely bleeds into other aspects of your life too. Yeah, I, I'm definitely, that's a, a thing that I do all the time. I'm always learning something new so that I can put my hand up and, and be the first. And it's gotten to the point with me that sometimes I will sit back and wait a minute because I feel like every time I get on these calls, it's like me, me, me. And then, you know, I feel like maybe I'm not giving somebody else an opportunity. So now I've got more, I'll wait a minute. Uh, well, it doesn't even last a minute, but I'll wait. And then if nobody says anything, I'll say me, because it's like, okay, I gave you the opportunity. You didn't jump on it. So I'll go. And sometimes for me, going first feels better because, and this is probably going to sound very negative, but if somebody else goes first, then I might actually especially when it comes to speaking and stuff, I might be comparing myself or what I'm wanting to say to what they did. And so, and I might be influenced by something they said. And so I want to be, be just me 
and I want to jump up and say my thing and step away and I'm good. And whether it's a, it's a, you know, everybody loves it or everybody hates it. It doesn't matter. It's that I want to be able to say it without any, anything somebody else says in infiltrating into what my message is. Yeah. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. No, but it yeah. does. It does. Um, there's definitely multiple things that, you know, some people might think, Oh, well, I want to, I want to watch the first five people do it so that, you know, I can, I can get in the groove or, or whatever the case may be. But I think there is much more advantage to um, playing this game, if you want to call it a game, mm-hmm. or this challenge, this self-challenge, much more advantageous to do it uh, the way that you just mentioned, because for those reasons, I think, but, but also, um, you know, your, your brain is like, oh, we're practicing. Uh, what are we doing here? Oh, okay. So you're, you're going, okay, well, that means that you're bold. That means that you're, you know, you, you've got an audacious spirit. And so that's, that's the way we're going to program you. And, um, and, you know, only, only great things come out of that. So. And I will share, I, um, I haven't really said this to anybody really, but um, because I'm, I'm working right now on getting my material together to become a, uh, a speaker and uh, because I want to get on the big stages and I will tell you that even just saying it and knowing that I want to do it, it just makes my heart pound a little bit. So yeah. um, I know it's the right thing because it's, it's scary as hell. <laughs> so I know I'm going to do it. I'm just, you know, I'm working on getting um, a little bit of my my ideas together, my materials together, and then just jumping out and, and being a speaker. Yeah. Well, I don't think we, uh, our game, you know, our minds are always playing tricks on us. Um, mostly our, our conscious brain, I think, but you, uh, you've already, you've already kind of had, you've established this track record in your life, right. Of mm-hmm. Doing things a certain way. And, um, taking initiative and you know you've got a podcast and it requires you to speak uh intelligently on a lot of different things you've got you know your practice so even though you've got this huge track record of success and experience that in itself tells a story of oh yeah this would be no problem for you this is a natural fit um we still kind of want to get in our you know get in the way of ourselves right and and I don't care who you are. You could be the biggest celebrity. And I've been around a few just from the time in the movie business. And watching those uh, men and women practicing in their trailers or before they're getting ready to step up in front of the camera, um, I'm sorry. They're all struggling with the same things that we do, you know. Yeah. The fear yeah. of screwing things up, the fear of being embarrassed, um, the fear of missing your line or missing the mark or whatever the case. And so I think we just have to realize that we probably can't um, write that completely out of, you know, our, our little journey. It's always going to be, but we just have to look at, in in your case, look at the track record that you've established because really that's the only thing that, that says it all. So. Yeah. Well, Well, thank you. And I will say the one thing that helps me a lot of times when I feel that nervous feeling about stepping up or doing something that I'm not familiar with. Um, 
is that I know that the feeling of excitement and the feeling of nervousness are the same. It feels the same in the body. You get that tightness and, you know, you can even sweat and all those different things. It's the same. And so I will, um, when I remember, but I'm not perfect, so I don't always remember. But when I remember, I say, all oh, right, that's the excitement that I'm feeling. And so I'm excited to do this and it's going to be great. The excitement's here. As long as I'm excited, then it's going to go well. And um, but like I said, I don't always remember that. I'll feel myself floating down into that angst of I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. And so, wait, wait, wait. It's supposed to be excitement. Let me reframe that. So. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. I, I do the same thing. I get nervous about things, but I've <clears throat> created, uh, you know, formulas in my own mind that I'm, where I've told myself affirming it or whatever the case is, is that that's what I'm looking for. I want, I can't wait to feel that way because, you know, that's what I'm after. That's what I want. That's, 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 um, you know, the, the validation that you're doing something exciting, you know, adventurous yeah. Yeah. and that's the byproduct. And, you know, after you convince yourself of that, it's, it's not looked at it in so much as a scary thing anymore. It's, you know, it's the, Oh, that I'm getting the thing I'm looking for. I'm getting the thing I'm chasing and I'm, I'm attracted to. And so, like you said, it's just reframing it and uh, convincing your, your brain that, you know, this is, this is what you're after. That's right. That's the speech right. Is, the speech is secondary. I'm after that, that, that butterfly feeling in my stomach or, in my chest. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know in the beginning, you know, um, because it's one of those, another growth process that you go through. So I'm, I've already, you know, decided that I'm giving myself much grace and surrendering to the fact that I may not be so good the first few times I get up and do it. I might surprise myself, but I think when I say that, it's more that I know that in comparison, I will look five years down the road and say, oh my gosh, look how much I've grown and look at it that way instead of feeling like I didn't do so well on the first one. It's just the growth process will be, you know, bigger, right? Yeah. And who does, who does great on the first of everything that they've ever done in their entire life. I, don't, I, know. I, don't I know. You you could be the, the greatest of all time in any uh, area. Um, I'm sure if you were to ask any of them, um, they'll probably all say the same thing and say, well, where did you, what did you, where did you see the most growth? Where did you learn the most? Well, it was when I screwed that up or I yeah. Yeah. failed on that. <laughs> and so you know, we, we kind of need those things as a reference point. Life would be so uninteresting if you were just great all the time, wouldn't it? Who, wouldn't I, it? I, it would be. And um, I feel like all those little things that happened, our growth pieces that put, goes into making our mosaic life, you know, all the broken pieces and, you know, everything that comes together without those pieces, we might not be, well, might's not even the right word. We would not be strong enough and able to handle whatever we're dealing with right now whether it's good or whatever, we've had to have all of those things happen to us to put us in this place and make us appreciate and be strong enough to um, put it on our backs and carry it. Yeah, there's no movie that is worth watching or no book that is worth reading, in my opinion, where there's not some struggle or there is not, I mean, have you ever seen a movie where it starts out 
everything is great and then it just goes great all the time and then that's the <laughs> yeah. no so um, uh, if there was one it probably never got really aired <laughs> yeah you've got to have um yeah you've got to have the struggle you've got to have some calamity you've got to have um some disasters and um that's what makes good books and good movies and that's the way our lives are it's the human story and yeah um yeah you know you can either have um a sad tale to where those things happen happen and you finish out your time here in the world um you know at a low because you subscribed to it that way or you can embrace those uh disasters and calamities and make them yours and uh you know make that the starting point for you know the next spike um uh, before you hit another one and go down and then you know that's the starting point for the next spike yeah and, uh, so definitely that's, well, um, what I want, would love to do is just hear a little bit about your book. If you could kind of give us like the cliff notes or something. Um, I know you said it's called Georgia Fall. That's your newest one, right? It is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell us just a little bit, you know, the the teaser, I guess, for the book. Sure. So, um, you know, I, I actually wrote my first book strictly about, you know, crime thriller, Um uh, and then I was introduced into a group of authors, um, um, and this group is uh, the, the publisher. It's, it's called uh, uh, Raventhorn uh, Books, and so there's this group of really talented authors, but they write on um, they write disaster fiction, and they write kind of on the same timeline or in the same world. Mm -hmm. And so I was invited uh, to write a, a piece in that world. And the it, it kind of all deals with um, um, an, like an EMP attack on the United States. It's kind of like the starting point. And then some people will write um, from the perspective of people in a certain state or in a different part of the country. And so um, I wrote mine from Georgia because that's where I grew up and that's what I knew well. Uh, my neighborhoods, uh, you know, the area um, in South South Atlanta. And so um, I wrote on the same timeline, um, but just wrote from the perspective of, of these folks. And the the idea is, is that, uh, you know, these were regular folks and going about their lives, much like you or I would do on any day until uh, we're suddenly faced with the reality that um, a, an elect electromagnetic pulse um, has, has occurred and knocked out all of the elect anything that works on electricity and basically throwing us back to the dark ages, you know, in a, in a split second. And uh, that affects everything. It affects, it affects, uh, it affects food. It affects water. It affects, um, you know, shelter, uh, how we stay warm, uh, how we cool down, um, how we communicate, how, how we communicate our safety. Um, it's a difficult for law enforcement to police an area when their cars don't run anymore. Um, when they may be challenged because they're like, hey, I got to go take care of my family. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, these these books really call all that into question and make it very interesting and realistic. And so um, I threw in a little zinger um, because I wanted to throw some crime uh, in it as well. And I thought that would make it a little more interesting. So there's kind of two things that are happening. It's what's happening in the neighborhood. Um you know, uh, people stepping up into leadership roles, people coming together, challenges, uh, you know, crime taking hold. Um, and then there's um, also a element of 
you know, trying to go get a relative on the other side of the continent who's in school um, who you can't communicate with anymore. And, you know, you can imagine being in that predicament, like, well, I don't even have a car to get there anymore. I can't get on a plane, can't get to the airport, whatever. And so um, that's kind of the adventure uh, is those two components. And so uh, uh, I was really appreciative that, uh, you know, these esteemed authors authors allowed me to, you know, participate and hopefully not screw up their, their, their world. (laughs) And, uh, but uh, it's been fun and it made me, it challenged me because now I'm, I was writing in a different genre that I wasn't comfortable with before. And that's something I wanted to tell you um, earlier is this, you might have an idea of all your experiences using them for said type of genre, but how could you use it in different types of genres as well? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. So I wrote the book. Uh, It's out the last, it's been out for the last week. It's um, done remarkably well. I've exceeded my expectations. Um, uh, It's still on the top 10 bestseller list for three different categories, uh, which I'm like, what? How did that happen? (laughs) So uh, I've been getting wonderful remarks from readers and that's a, that's validating to like, okay, maybe, maybe this is something I, I continue to do. And um, so it's been, it's been a great experience. Very cool. Well, before we get off here, because we're getting close to time, um, would you, since some people are going to be listening to this and I am going to put um, all your links and all your information in the, um, in the description, but just for people that might be listening, um, go ahead and if you don't mind share, like, if, if it's possible to share a link to the book or um, if you have um, a link tree or anything that people can connect with you to okay. find out more information. Yeah. Well, uh, you can always go to my website, uh, which is uh, www.ckredlinger. So it's C-K-R-E-D-L-I-N-G-E-R.com. And I write short stories on there. The book information is there as well. Or you could just go to Amazon and uh, type in Georgia Fall. Um, it'll bring up the, the book area and um, it should be the only one with that title that, I, that I'm aware of. And that's another way to access it. Okay. Uh, the print the print book will be out in the next week or two. Right now it's, you can either read it on the cloud or if you have a Kindle device. Okay. Uh, All right, cool. Well, I'm so excited for you being here and, and sharing with me because like you uh, said earlier, you know, I've known you for a long time um, just because um, you're Michelle's brother-in-law. And uh, so it's really cool to have this discussion with you because it's we've never really sat down and had a long discussion. So um, it feels really good to know this side of you, you know? Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. I'm so thankful you invited me um, and, uh, you know, supporting what I've done. And, you know, I'm I'm uh, equally proud of you for what you've done. Uh, well, it's it's been a long time since we've we've chatted at this level. So thanks a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you. And so um, for the the listeners, um, I want to thank you so much for being here. And I want to leave you with this phrase. The best way to predict the future is create it. So what are you creating? And I will see you soon.